where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, it's the holiday special! And we are going to talk about Claire Duvall's 2020 holiday rom-com, Happiest Season, which is a difficult title for me to remember. Written by Duval and Mary Holland and starring Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Aubrey Plaza, Allison Bree, Mary Ooh. Steenbergen, and Mary Holland. My goodness. My gosh. Treasure trove of wonderful actors. And it tells the story of a young woman who meets her girlfriend's family for the first time at Christmas only to discover en route that her girlfriend has yet to come out to them. And wants to uphold an elaborate ruse for five days, so her dad can get funding from a conservative donor to run for mayor. Right. <laughs> you know, that classic story. <laughs> the old girl meets girl. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. I just woke up thinking about going home with you and got very excited about Christmas. I get to go meet the people that made my favorite person. I'll always take December away over summer. Abby, you and Harper have a perfect relationship. She is my person, and I really want everyone to know that. I want to marry her. What are you doing on your phone? I left a gentleman alone in my apartment, so I'm tracking him to make sure he leaves. You're tracking him? Yeah, I track everybody. If the NSA can do it, so can I. I'm so excited. I can't believe I'm finally going to meet everyone. There's something that we should talk about. I didn't tell my parents I'm gay. So who do they think I am? This is Harper's orphan friend, Abby. Yes, of course. They're there. You're so brave. <laughs> you don't need to be. I cannot believe I've got all my daughters under one roof. So her parents believe their straight daughter brought home her lesbian friend for Christmas? Not exactly. They also think that I'm straight. Have they ever met a lesbian? This is why I avoid Christmas. It brings out the worst in everything. Just be yourself. But don't lie. You're a very bad liar. Riley! Harper. This is Abby. Abby is my orphan roommate. We, I am an orphan, but we live together as friends. Um, like acquaintances. Oh, please don't. Yeah. Ring out on the I can relate to being in love with somebody that is too afraid to show the world who they are. <laughs> what are you doing in the closet? Have I been good? I'm here to rescue you. Are you the ex-boyfriend? Yes, I am very sexually attracted to her. Mm. A female. I nailed that, and she is fabulous. I'm scared that if I tell them who I really am, I will lose them. Do you know how painful it's been to watch the person that I love hide me? I am not hiding you. I am hiding me. Everybody's story is different. Just because Harper isn't ready doesn't mean she doesn't love you. <laughs> I thought this movie was very entertaining, even though if you said, would you like to watch a holiday rom-com with me? I would be like, flat out, no thank you. But there was a lot in here for me to enjoy. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. What did you guys think? 
I thought the comedy was really great. Dan Levy was so funny as the best friend, and he was like such a great friend to Abby in that. And then the Jane character, Mary Holland, who also wrote, or I guess she like, she came up with a story or something. Yeah, with with Clea Duvall, I thought she was hilarious. Just so many funny moments in it, and I loved the ensemble cast. They were all really good in it. It really seemed like everyone was having a good time making that movie. I love it when you can yeah. tell that everyone had fun yeah, doing like it. Yeah, <laughs> like a good set. I enjoyed it. You know, like I saw someone on Twitter say that if you make a certain kind of movie, like a Hallmark Christmas movie, and you make it queer, that doesn't necessarily make it good. Kind of whatever is bad about a holiday rom-com is there, you know? But it was so enjoyable. Uh, and I, I mean, I kind of like that kind of movie in general. It's not the kind of movie I'll go to bat for, but I can usually enjoy that kind of thing. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. holiday rom-com, I'm out. I'm not out now, yeah. I'm in for that. <laughs> like, I'll take the good with the bad. Like, I know there's gonna be some dopey, super over-the-top climax scene, but the leads are so likable and so funny. Especially Kristen Stewart. Like, I love her, like the mm-hmm. arc that her career has taken, just sort of on-screen and off-screen. It's a good litmus test, kind of, how people feel about Kristen Stewart. Like, if you're not rooting for her, are you kind of a dick, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, What's not to love about her? I mean, a lot of people don't love her, I think. Yeah. Know? But I haven't heard a good reason. Right. <laughs> well, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It is very interesting. I think, actually, both her and our pets are two of the most interesting working actors today. And they came from this just god awful. <laughs> like they're basically having second careers, right? As indie uh, darlings, <laughs> is that? Maybe not darlings, but yeah, just indie stars. And they're not really repeating themselves. Every role is different from the last, right? And I feel like that's what I've heard about them and also Daniel Radcliffe. It's like, I did this franchise that has me set for life. I never have to choose a movie based on the money again. That's true. It's a cool way to approach things. You know, it's also just when, when it seems like a celebrity has that concept of they have enough money. Yes. Know? It's probably no coincidence they're all around the same generation, yeah. younger generation. They have just a healthier approach to money in general, I think. And totally. We were trying to think the other day of like healthy child stars. Daniel Radcliffe's oh, yeah. parents were great. Showbiz parents, apparently. Oh, that's nice. They wouldn't let him touch his money until he was 18. I know that they did that for the Culkins also weren't allowed to touch their money, but it was because their dad was <laughs> the da- Yeah, right? But Dan Rad's parents were like, here you go, here's all your business <laughs> that you made, here you are, when you're like old enough to handle it. And he's now a very healthy seeming and down to earth. Super famous young guy. <laughs> it's kind of hard to think of. <laughs> Healthy. It is, yes. <laughs> it's very sad. It's much easier to think of all the tragic ones who are still surviving in spite of all odds, basically. Against all odds, I guess, is the phrase I'm looking for. <laughs> well, should we do hot probs? Sounds like you might have some hot probs. Sure. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. It's one of those movies that sort of hinges on people not having a conversation beforehand. That's kind (laughs) of a big stretch that it's like they plan this trip to go meet her family and they don't have that conversation until they're about an hour away. That's a hard one for me to swallow that she didn't mention it until right before they get there. There's something that we should talk about before we get to my parents' house. What is it? Do you remember this summer when I came out to my parents and told them we were together and they took it really well. Yeah. Okay, well that wasn't 
entirely accurate. They didn't take it well? No. No, no. Um, you didn't tell them. Not just that, it's hard to believe, but it's also, that's like an incredibly shitty thing to do. Drop that bomb when it's too late. That should be her decision. Like, does she want to do this? Does she want to meet her girlfriend's parents with that condition that she has to pretend not to be her girlfriend? She shouldn't yeah. take that decision away from her. All my other ones, other than like, I don't like a big over the top scene like there is at the Christmas party. <laughs> Harper, do you want to tell them or should I? Don't! Sloan! Why? It's not good timing. <laughs> Stop that this instant! Come on, guys, just hug it out. Shut, Shut up, Jane! Basically, all my other hot probs add up to, like, Harper sucks. There's that conversation that Abby has with John where he's like, it's not anyone else's decision when to come out. That moment's really terrifying. And then once you say those words, you can't unsay them. A chapter has ended and a new one's begun and you have to be ready for that. Can't do it for anyone else. Just because Harper isn't ready, it doesn't mean she never will be. And it doesn't mean she doesn't love you. That part, fine. But she still does a lot of shitty things that really don't have anything to do with her not being out to her family. You know, like, she goes and hangs out with her old friends till two in the morning and then acts like Abby is just on her jock about it. I'm just making sure you're okay. Why wouldn't I be? I don't know, you weren't answering me, so I was... I, I know, but you, you knew I was out with my friends. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't know that you were gonna be out till two in the morning, so I'm just checking on you. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't know I had a curfew. What is going on with you? Nothing, I... Nothing. I just don't... No, why you're keeping tabs on me. Keeping tabs on you? Yeah. It just... What? It just feels a little... Suffocating. I'm suffocating you? Or not, but just... Oh, well, I feel really suffocated in the closet that you shoved me back into. You agreed to this. Yeah, we were practically already here. Can you sh Please, be quiet. She doesn't really defend her at all. Like, I'm sure she wouldn't steal a necklace. Harper really sucks. And I was genuinely hoping that she was going to dump her for Riley. Of yes. course. I assume there's lots of Abby and Riley fan fiction out there. I've definitely seen many such tweets. <laughs> right. And it's not been that long since we made an out. alternate ending. <laughs> yeah, I was actually really proud of Abby for walking away. I'm going to go. Wait, no, no. I did it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's just too late. And then, I mean, obviously she gets one back at the end. And I do like that Harper has to beg for her forgiveness. I mean, you are the love of my life. I was terrible. And, and I wish that I could undo everything, but I promise you, I will make it up to you. I will spend the rest of my life making it up to you. And I won't hurt you like this again. But please, give me another chance. I, I wanna build a life with you. Please. 
What about your parents? I, no, no, I, I don't care what they think. I only care about you. If I have you, that's all I need. Be with me. But she doesn't have to work that hard. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I do think it's all very consistent with her character. Like, they created this character who is basically just a people pleaser at all costs. Like, she does mm-hmm. not care who she has to hurt to make the person that she's focused on in that moment happy. Our entire life, we have been expected to be these perfect golden children. I mean, love in our house wasn't something we just got for free. It is something that we competed for, and if we veered off their course, we lost it. I, I know it's messed up, okay? I get it. But they're my parents, and I am scared that if I tell them who I really am, I will lose them. And I know if I don't tell them, I will lose you. I don't want to lose you. She screws over Abby at every turn to keep her parents happy. And she doesn't tell Abby in advance about... Well, first of all, she lied about coming out to her parents. She says over the summer. So I guess six months before that, she told Abby that that happened to make Abby happy and not mad at her. And Mm -hmm. she was keeping that ruse up the whole time. And just trying to avoid fights and conflict at all costs. By getting her in the car and being like, well, now, you know, you can't really have that big of a fight because we're almost 50 (laughs) miles away from our house. She's a manipulator and a liar and very self-motivated to just not have people mad at her. I don't know what that's all about other than, I guess, parental approval. I do think they could do a good job of painting her family as super fucked up and, like, psychological warfare. Right. Yeah, they did. I mean, I don't know if I would agree that her thing is like to not have people mad at her so much as it's just to have her own way. There's no reason Abby wouldn't be mad at her, but she's much more likely to get her way. Like she wants Abby to come home with her. So that's how she makes that happen is she doesn't tell her until it's like really too late for her to back out. I mean, I'm really not feeling Harper. (laughs) (laughs) I can see that for sure. Abby had just gone through so much by the end of it. I kind of wanted her to break up with Harper. The scene where she's finally, after they have like the big, the sisters have the big fight at the party and then Abby was like, it's too late. I'm like, yes! Through the whole movie, she got put through so much. Like, pretend to be an orphan, pretend to be straight and an orphan. Well, she is really an orphan, but right. not like a recent orphan. Right. <laughs> or not like a, she was an orphan as a little kid yeah. or something, you know. <laughs> not from an orphanage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I think that gag is hilarious. Connor, this is Harper's friend, Abby. Oh, hey, Connor. Hey, she's an orphan. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. What are you doing? She is. That was a funny line where she says to Mary Steenburgen, I didn't lose my parents until I was 19. And she was like... You're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about all this mess. What? No, this is so nice. Better than your room at the orphanage. Oh, I, I wasn't in an orphanage. Because I, I was 19 when my parents died. Oh, one of the lucky ones. Oh. Mary Steenburgen, she was so hilarious in this. Yeah, I didn't like Harper. She put Abby through so much, I didn't want them to get back together again. And then also her getting stuck in the town. I'm sure a family member could have driven her somewhere. Would she really be stuck 
I don't know. That was just a hot problem of mine. Like, just the logistics of it. Can't somebody just drive her somewhere? Well, drive her where? What do you mean? Like, when she wanted to leave? Well, yeah. And the Uber was like a thousand dollars i guess maybe if you're in the middle of nowhere but she should have just asked john to come get her right away eventually he figures out that that's what she needs and goes and gets her because he's a really good friend but she should have just been like can you come get me yeah because she wanted to leave when she looked to see how much the uber was but then she kind of backs out i mean she's like really really into harper yeah it's amazing yeah She's vagmatized. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Mackenzie Davis is super hot. I can see how maybe if you're like looking right in her eyes, maybe it's hard to <laughs> say. <laughs> Fuck off. But. Right. Okay. Kristen Stewart is also super hot. Yeah. You know, she can't be her first hot girlfriend. It's true. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did not like Mackenzie Davis's hair. That's one of my hot problems. Oh yeah. And it's definitely a wig. <laughs> Confirmed. I didn't find out what other movie she was shooting the time but i would suspect she had bleach blonde hair also oh, and they were man. like we can't have two lesbians with bleach blonde hair right. I don't know. <laughs> also it wouldn't fit in with the rest of her family ah that's yeah. true yeah to have that like yeah. punk rock look right. <laughs> she looks way better that way though <laughs> that hair was not doing her any favors but <laughs> one of my hot props is the title it's really hard for me to remember the title it's so generic is it happiest christmas happiest holiday happy it's happiest season but it could have been like anything else I don't yeah know. <laughs> are there like some kind of queer coding in there you know like yeah. i don't know not like gayest season but i don't i mean like something i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah my other house so they live in pittsburgh but like where is the town that her family is like, they're like 50 miles away i read somewhere okay I where small town 50 miles away from pittsburgh right is like a mayor having a gay daughter like is that such a career killer like how conservative is this place you know or this family dick cheney has a gay daughter you know i think it was just that one donor but it was like he was putting all his eggs in that one donor's basket of yeah. this person's gonna carry my campaign but she's homophobic so hmm. well he didn't even know that that was a possibility but she's right. very conservative so we want to make sure that everything's looking the way a conservative donor would want them to look right but then why has she always been closeted i guess maybe the family is just more conservative or whatever you know yeah, like i think her family is this mayor thing is a newer development and she's never come out to her family yeah not even Jane, you know? Like, I feel like in a real family, you would tell, like, one of your sisters or something, and then they wouldn't tell. <laughs> Very relatable yeah. for me right now. Like, if you have a thing, that's yeah. something going on with you. No you one know. seems to like Jane, though, which is also uh, another problem. Like, why is everyone so yeah. down on Jane? Because Jane's obviously, like, such a nice person. <laughs> Jane, Jane's the best one, yeah. And everyone's shitting on her all the time. Right. Okay, that's enough, Jane. Jane, too much. Well, it's kind of like, you know how, like, on the Munsters to the outside world. What what's the beautiful one? Marilyn. Like to the outside world, Marilyn is the beautiful one, but within the family, she's the weirdo. Yes. That's kinda like I feel like what Jane is. She's the only awesome one in this family. Yeah. You know, but in the family she's like the black sheep. I am something. And guess what? I like myself. And maybe you all don't because I'm not fancy. But whether you like it or not, I am a part of this family, and I will not be left out anymore. No! 
Poor Jay. Well, you know, she has a good ending. I do like that the end kind of focuses on Jane, you know? It's like, oh yeah, Harper and Abby, they're still together, whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but Jane has a book now. Yeah. She's a successful right. writer. <laughs> How convenient that Jane was a publisher. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of throw that away. Like, it actually took me a minute to remember that at the end. Why I, he was sitting with her at the table. And then I'm like, oh yeah, because of his like one throwaway line at the beginning about how he's a worse for a publishing house. Right. I didn't even remember that till you said it just now. Abigail, don't worry. I'm responsible for the careers of dozens of authors. I am more than capable of taking care of a few pets for two days. It's five days. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Very early, it's revealed how Jane is just constantly overlooked when Harper and Abby come to town and like everybody's so happy. And then the dad's like, Jane, I'm glad you're here. We're having trouble with the Wi-Fi. <laughs> and she's like, not again. She was on track to make partner at her firm before she left to start a family. She's our super mom. Harper is our powerhouse and uh, Jane, is the only reason the internet ever works in this house. Oh, I have a way with routers. Yeah, she's like so nice. Like my mom, yeah. my mom was always having me do tech support and I'm pretty sure that every time she asked me to do something, I'd go, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but Jane's like, oh, I'm right on it. She's a very good daughter. <laughs> and then like Abby's room in the basement, the mom is like, there's no lock on this door. We had it removed because Jane was always scared that we would lock her in. I'm glad that she stood up for herself in the end and telling her family she's tired of being ignored. And, yeah. and the thing with the painting. I put 100 hours into that painting and you, you just destroyed it like it was nothing. It was something. Yeah, they finally see her in the end, which is good. And John liked the painting, Aww. which I thought was nice. What, 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 what is this? It's a painting of Main Street. I made it. I love that. <clears throat> John is so nice. Yeah. Oh, I have one other hot pot, which is that a fish would not die that fast. <laughs> It'd been like 24 hours and the fish died. I forgot <laughs> to feed the fish one time. I know from experience that you could forget to feed a fish for at least two or three days in a row and they won't die. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a very small profit. Right. <laughs> it's also always a thing. If someone's pet sitting in a movie, the pet dies. You know? Like, that, they're, they're, it's no not going to go No one ever successfully sits for a pet in fiction. That's true. At least not a comedy. I've had it happen to me twice that a pet I was sitting died. But really? it wasn't my fault. Oh, well, yeah. I'm not that was not your fault. It was definitely not my fault. You that were was the funniest thing. For my thing. terminally ill ride. Right. I got a text when Bax got home. Was Nut still alive the last time you were? Uh, yeah. The other one was also not my fault at all. It was my sister went on her honeymoon with her first husband. They had just gotten fancy fish. The whole elaborate aquarium system. Something about it wasn't right. And I had to feed it a live goldfish every day. Oh yeah, I fed it, it. You know, so it wasn't like I didn't feed it. It was just something was wrong with the water or something. Yeah. Like they had two and one of them died the day before they left for their honeymoon and then the other one died during their honeymoon. So it was both times, not my fault, but I have had it happen. <laughs> but I've also successfully sat for someone's pets and they didn't die. Plenty of times. Many, many, many times. times. Yes. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go give an Amy a nickname. I'll be a cat killer or anything. Cat killer. <laughs> 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 Next call.
Well, this movie's so funny, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the problems. Right. Um, let's do meaningful passages. Yes, I have lots. Yes, so many. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. A lot yeah. of her John lines. Just yeah, me too. <laughs> Every single line. Really yeah. like, thank you, I love champagne. Oh, enjoy some champagne. Oh. Thank you. I love champagne. I know he said, I don't know exactly, when he said the fish are yes, I don't... <laughs> Yeah, she was I like, how are the fish? Oh yeah, the fish are and yes. And he was like, the fish, uh, yes. <laughs> the fish are yes. What the fish? Uh, the fish are, yeah. The, the, the fish are, are yes. Yeah. But enough about me. Out of curiosity, if I wanted to get <laughs> <laughs> a fish exactly like that for myself. Also, I am loving these fish. If I wanted to buy the exact same one for myself, where where do you think I would do that? I have a lot of job lines. Yeah, like and also when he's like, have they ever met a lesbian? So what? Her parents are believing that their straight daughter brought home her lesbian friend for Christmas? No, no. They also think that I'm that I'm straight. Have they ever met a lesbian? And also when the guy asked him what he bench, and he goes a thousand. Sorry. Wait. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bench. <sighs> thousand? Th thousand plus? Uh, it was very yes, funny. No, yeah, this whole like interaction with what's his name? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember his name. <laughs> the, generic, yes. the generic straight guy. I love a gay guy trying to act straight in that way. It's really funny. <laughs> He's talking to Abby. He's like, I'm not trying to shame you. Did you need something or did you just call to shame me? I'm not shaming you. I just think the choice you're making is dumb and you should feel bad about it and yourself. <laughs> I love that line. We just stick it to the patriarchy. That whole, <laughs> that whole exchange about asking for the dad's permission for Harper's hand in marriage. Ask her dad for his blessing? We just stick it to the patriarchy. Really well done. Later on when he's like, have you managed to get a man's permission to own an adult human woman yet? <laughs> Have you managed to get a man's permission to take ownership of an adult human woman yet? <laughs> My favorite line from the mom is, what's her, her name is Tipper, right? I once took too much Ambien and I bought a race horse. Yeah, I have that. Well, I guess I must have been sleepwalking. Oh, that is very dangerous. I once took too many Ambien and I bought a race horse online. <sighs> yeah, I wrote that one down too. <laughs> out-of-touch-rich-person jokes like that. Yeah. <laughs> My other line from her, this is the closest I got to getting emotional, was when she said the only reason Jane is okay is because we gave up on her. We have one daughter who has been unhappy in a marriage and felt like she couldn't tell us, and another daughter who just had her heart broken because she was afraid we wouldn't love her if she told us the truth. And the only reason that Jane is okay is because we gave up on her after she wouldn't stop biting in preschool. That is very far from perfect, if you ask me. Ah, like that kind of got me a little bit. Oh, like, man. <laughs> yeah. But fair. Yeah, know? that's a lot of insight. Yeah. 
I love it when Jane meets Abby and she goes up and hugs Abby and she's like, you're so brave. You don't need to be. <laughs> They're like, Jane, that's enough. I'm so sorry about your parents. It, it happened a long time ago. You're so brave. You don't need to be, Jane. Yeah, she's like hugging Harper at one point. Harper's like, too much. Right. <laughs> she's can't hug anybody. Nobody wants to Jane. Anybody. I know. Oh, Jane. Oh, I have asked you not to do that. I know. I didn't listen. Oh, I have one more John line. When she said something is kind of sexy, or something, and he's like, yeah, there's nothing more erotic than concealing your authentic self. Yes. <laughs> it's not so bad. It's kind of fun having a secret. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more erotic than concealing your authentic selves. I love a bad line in a movie. Right. <laughs> so the whole boyfriend thing where they're like, she broke up with a boyfriend. I've had many boyfriends, but not too many. Inappropriate amount. <laughs> right. Do you have a boyfriend, Abby? No. But I have, because I have had many. Um, but, but not too many, an, an appropriate amount. I actually just went through a breakup. Oh, no. Abby. Yeah. With, um, he, was a, he was a milk man. Okay, and I think we'll just settle in now. I love how early on she said she's a bad liar. She's like, I can't do it, I'm a bad liar. Like, I like a bad liar foreshadowing like that. She said that and then she is a bad liar. Like it comes up several <laughs> times. Yes. She is very bad at lying. I like when Allison Bree's like, oh, but isn't Harper's place a one bedroom? They live together. Oh, yeah. and, and, and Abby's like, well, it is, but we tore out the pantry. Isn't it a one bedroom? Technically, yes. Yeah, well, it was a one bedroom, and, and now that we have converted the pantry into my bedroom, it's two bedroom. Um, the pantry? How big is that? <laughs> yeah, well, it was one bedroom, but also a pantry. <laughs> that was an odd layout for a one bedroom. <laughs> Maybe it's the apartment from Set It Off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Super weird layout yeah. apartment. It seems like a house. I don't know. Hmm. When I watched it the second time, I was noticing the house a little bit more on account of it being a one bedroom and there's like an upstairs. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, then there's plenty of room. Maybe Sloane's never been there. Yeah. Probably. she hasn't. Yeah. yeah. But Sloane is definitely trying to get some information out of her in that conversation. Right. Has anyone in this family ever even like suspected that she's gay? You know, I mean, Sloan like Sloan has. is. I get the impression that Sloan has suspected. But it seems like she didn't really chase that lead very much. You know, because like... she also doesn't care. Like the right. way that the conversation ends is her. Oh right. I wrote her line down. It's really spacious in there. And I don't want to have this conversation anymore. <laughs> <It> walks away. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is so bitchy, but also I'm like, God, I wish I had. Oh my gosh. I wish love. I had the ovaries to say that to somebody. Love to be able to say that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like she has like an I knew it-ness about her mm -hmm. when she does bust them in the end. She's like a collector of information, I feel like. She's a collector of useful information and cards to play at times that will be advantageous to her. They've always been competitive. I do like right. that. It's so silly, but it's very funny, the ice skating scene. <laughs> right. And then Jane's timing them, and then she's like, I didn't start Jane's the timer. Right. And Sloan's husband is like, don't tell them that. Right, God. <laughs> Oh, and then I wrote another slow line I wrote down was, Can you watch them for a bit? I have to run an errand. Um, Santa promised them the complete works of Sylvia Plath, so. Whose idea was that? Right. who asked for that? <laughs> I think it's very funny that the bar is called Freddy's. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> that bar looked so fun with the 
drag queens. Oh, the drag bar. Oh, the drag yeah. bar. That's not Freddy. The Oxwood, but then the shitty bar. Oh, Oxwood. Yeah. yeah. I know. That was actually another prop prop I forgot about, which is grounds for breaking up with someone is if they make you leave a Jinx monsoon and bend a drag show for no good reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Fuck you. Right. Especially in a club like that. You're not going to see them in a club that small ever again. Right. <laughs> and yes, Aubrey Plaza's character is the best. What did I write? I swear I wrote down one of her lines about, if I go back in there, they're going to make me look at a weird mole or something. Oh, right. Yeah. At the restaurant, Tipper's like, I wonder if she'll look at my mole. <laughs> Two seconds after she says, <laughs> right. she does for a living, she's like, I wonder if she'll look at my mole. And then she mentions the mole again later. And then, yeah, that party, poor Riley's like, I needed a break from everyone. Just taking a break from diagnosing everyone's mystery illnesses. I'm sure my mother's hairdresser wants to show me her weird finger again. That is like a very old person thing is just to be always worried about right. <laughs> like, something on their body. Some growth they're having on their body. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and another tipper line I had about the kids when she's trying to take the picture. She says, can you make them be still? <laughs> <laughs> that is such a hilarious grandma thing to say. That's, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> she really nails that like sort of rich, not very warm grandmother like, yeah. <laughs> that my kids have. <laughs> She's obsessed with her Instagram, the perfect picture. She has Abby take the picture of the family, which I thought was sad because Abby wasn't included in the photo. And then after she took some, she's like, Blurry, boring, nope, nope, nope. Okay, none of these will do. The ending credits were her Instagram changed and she was- Oh, that was so cute. Yeah. I love the little hashtags in the end credits. I really enjoyed that. I mean, I guess it like they did all turn around pretty quickly. Right. I mean, obviously there are conservatives who can manage to not be homophobes. (laughs) Right. They probably would have been fine. I feel like lots of people have that experience with, like some people have the extreme on either way of like, okay, my parents are never speaking to me again. I mean, I had a very close friend in high school when he came out to his parents. They were just like, yeah, we were waiting for you to tell us. (laughs) But then, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that like they weren't expecting it. They didn't think of it. And then they're fine. They probably would have been fine anytime she ever came out to them. Like, this is my husband. We met on Bumble. This is my husband, Scott. We met on Bumble. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess I have a lot of uh, tipper lines because I also wrote down, you look more beautiful every time I see you. Did you bring concealer? Right. You get more and more beautiful every single time I see you. (laughs) Did you bring concealer? Yeah. This is Abby. Which is a kind of compliment that I've dubbed momplements. You're right, perfect. And my mom gave me momplements all the time. <laughs> and then, not exactly a passage, but when... Uh, I forget who this woman is exactly. She works for Harper's dad. Right, I know who you're thinking of. But she has an assistant, his name is Levi. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'll be working for him one day. And then Levi oh. gives this fake smile. And then as soon as no one's looking at him, his face just... Drops into the bitchiest face ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, poor Levi. I love that that actor just added so much to that character. You see for one second, basically. You're like, oh, I have a whole idea of what Levi's life is like. Yeah, yeah it's a really, like, busy small town. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. Well, it's Christmas, you know, everyone's in town for Christmas. People used to travel and get together at holidays. That's true. This is definitely from a bygone era. 
Tipper, like, when she finds out like, there's going to be an extra guest at the party, like, I'm going to have to reimagine this whole theme for the party. And then Kristen Stewart is trying to act like, oh, that's such a bummer. She's, like, trying to connect with her on that level, even though it's, like, such a ridiculous thing to complain about. I loved the scene when they're in the gas station, Abby and John, and he's just so disgusted with all the ingredients in all these shitty foods in the convenience store. And then she's like, what happened to the fish? And he's like, let's look at gum. Maltodextrin, autolyzed yeast extract, artificial colors, red 40 lake, yellow six lake, yellow six, yellow five, because all of the yellows tastes so different. You know, I am disgusted at the poison these corporations try to pass off as food. Who's watching the animals? My therapist is taking care of them, but we should have a conversation about the fish at some point. What happened to the fish? Let's look at gum. I just loved every scene he was in. It yeah, was I really so could not take my eyes off him. Yeah, he's really great in every scene. I liked his whole thing about tracking. He's like, I track everybody. Hey. It's so easy. <laughs> <laughs> How are you here? When are you going to get this? I have been tracking you. I like that he tracks his one night stands. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good feature. Yeah. <laughs> I left a man alone in my apartment, he said. <laughs> Even though he was tracking him, I'm like, wow, I, would, I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> right, yes. What else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. The mall security scene when Abby gets taken <laughs> to the, the mall security office and it's really just like a kitchenette or something in the mall. The guy from Veep and um, Lauren... Oh, Lauren Lacus. They're so hilarious. The bad you know, bad cop, small security. Bad cop, bad cop. Yeah, they're both bad cops. <laughs> Pittsburgh, huh? Yeah. What are you doing down this way? You pulling a jelly? Jack and a roost? Well, was yeah. that hawk and crank and breaking bad? Not doing any of those things. Yeah, sure I didn't take this necklace. That scene was funny. I forgot about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so much happens. The brooch conversation is so painful. Oh, yeah. I can find my Christmas brooch. Have you seen it? You can tell me I won't be mad. I just want to know it's safe. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, if it should magically appear on my dresser, there will be no questions asked. Okay. Okay. I'm imagining the ugliest brooch ever. Right. My Christmas brooch. Like, there's no way that anyone would want it. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. The whole thing with the necklaces, I feel a storyline that could have been dropped. At the end, the kids are like, oh, we did it. Okay, cool. Why are those kids so sociopaths? Right, and you just shrug it off. It either is not in this at all, or it's a bigger deal. Everybody clearly thought she shoplifted something, and it's fine. Now she can't come to whatever event because she's mm -hmm. a shoplifter, and then it's like... Oh, it was kids. Oh, okay, cool. Do you think that was all just so that she wouldn't go to that one party? I don't know. I I mean, I don't know why that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of random. Well, I guess they did see her through the door 
Like, they knew she was being hidden in Abby's room. Why did those kids do that? Like, they're not little kids. It's not like a toddler just, like, grabbing. Like, they knew what they were doing. I can see it's hard for a kid when it's like, oh, shit, this has some consequences and it will only be fixed if you step forward. That's believable that a kid is like, oh, fuck, I'm not doing that. Right. But they're old enough to know that they're, like, stealing something and it's a really weird thing. Yeah. It is really weird. I wonder if that's one of those things that is from real life somehow. Oh, yeah. It's so weird. Right, right. That really happened to one of them. Yeah. Someone's nieces or something. That did remind me, though. I think the kids are a little sore about not being able to sleep in that bedroom. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's true, yeah. Maybe they think she'll have to leave if she gets busted for that. But that did remind me when the kids are standing over her when she wakes up the first day in the basement bedroom. It reminded me because when I was a teenager, I would go to my uncle's house and he had two little kids. Every morning I would wake up that way with them standing over me being like, are you awake? <laughs> I am oh God. I think they wanted to play with me and then also there was a playhouse down there and stuff. And then they would always wake me up super early on Christmas morning because that's usually when we were there. But the nice thing about them was that I didn't have to go to midnight mass when I Ooh. when I was visiting there because I would babysit them. Ah, that's good. Cool. So get out of going to midnight mass. And I only have to go to church one time on Christmas instead of two. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Does anyone go to church in this movie? I forget. So I guess I they're not like so. church-going conservatives. They're just just regular. <laughs> <laughs> just normie conservative, whatever. Okay, well, were you ready for the lunchtime poll? Oh, fun, yeah. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. The basis of this is just how, like, I think, and I was totally won over by this, maybe, which is why I'm such a Harper apologist. <laughs> Partially, I have a crush on Mackenzie Davis, but also, like, so romantic and hot when she tells Abby that she wants to wake up with her on Christmas morning. Abby's, like, already set. Like, I'm not going. We're having Christmas apart. And then it's just such a romantic moment when Harper's like, Come with me. Where? To my parents' house for Christmas. Oh, really? I want to wake up with you on Christmas morning. And if that doesn't convince you to love Christmas, I'll never bring it up again. Deal. The way that she presents that is so sweet that mm. for me it sells why Abby's like, okay. <laughs> and why she's so excited the next morning too. I just woke up thinking about going home with you and got very excited about Christmas. I kind of believe that. But anyway, my point is, <laughs> this is a lot. My point is, like, what's a, what's a way that an SO has coaxed you into something? <laughs> or won you over in won you some over. way. Yeah. Who wants to um, start? <laughs> I can go with Andrew. I met him on OkCupid, and I was just getting back into online dating, but I had a really bad attitude about it, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this, but I have to do this because I'm not meeting people organically. I started chatting with him. We were chatting for like almost a week. He was asking about meeting in person and I just was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And oh, the one thing that was so sweet was because he knew I, I had a dog and I loved my dog. And he's like, let's go to Norm's and you can bring your dog. That was our first date. I met him for brunch. I brought my dog in and 
there were a lot of cute dogs in the restaurant that day. I was kind of nervous to meet him in real life. It was just a nice thing. I'm like, oh, wow, he's really nice. So <laughs> you paid attention to what you cared about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's mine. Is that place still open, Norms? I've been there before. I don't know. What, I mean, I don't know what's still open now. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I haven't been back since. So I don't. I have no idea. I hope it survives. Right. <laughs> uh, I can go next. So I won't get into like the too complicated Ooh. scenario, but this is how I got together with my husband, who I've been friends with for several years and was seeing someone else before we got together and we went on a trip together and we were hanging out a lot having a good time and then this particular day we'd hung out all day and just had so much fun and we were in austin south by southwest which is just like a magical fun time or at least it was back then we were in the parking lot of a hotel just talking and he just kind of out of nowhere was like you know if you were ever single I think we should give this a shot. Oh! <laughs> oh my god. And he also told me that he loved me. Whoa. Yeah, I know. Oh. And it was kind of like a note of like, I will love you no matter what your answer to this is, but I just wanted to let you know, I think we should give this a shot. Oh. And uh, I was single shortly after that. <laughs> it was a very sweet romantic moment and I will Aww. never forget. Aww. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a good story. All right, I will tell mine. So I split up with my ex-husband very beginning of this year in January. And I kind of had, I would refer to it as like emotional food poisoning. When you have food poisoning, you know it was just that specific thing you ate, but you're just like, I am never eating again, you know. (laughs) And that's kind of how I felt about men. So then, you know, when it got to be summertime, and I was like, okay, maybe I can handle something. (laughs) But I was still very, very ambivalent about dating or anything and then also it was like oh by the way a pandemic so that was kind of a hurdle right <laughs> anyway so against all odds they end up going on a date with someone and this was in july so stuff had just started to open again so it was just all like a super weird alien feeling we met up in a bar and even that was really weird you have to mm-hmm. wear masks and it was like this barrier when you go up to order but it felt really weird just even being inside a place like that because no one had done that for like six months <laughs> so the vibe of all of this of what i'm saying is that it was it just all felt totally unreal you know because it's like if we had all been sort of locked down for months so it was a really weird thing anyway so so I went on this date we hung out in this bar for a while and then we walked over to the park it was really beautiful out it was an awesome day got a little romantic and so we're sitting on this park bench kind of had a little kiss situation happening and then um (laughs) as you know Bex, even the night before i was like i shouldn't go dating is dumb i'm not gonna go he probably has some weird voice or something like a weird sling blade voice i kind of want something other to eat Anyway, all of that to say, we're sitting there after this very romantic moment and it's really beautiful out and he said, all of this just feels so surreal. And then he goes, if I wake up right now, I'm going to be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that, yeah, that's what kind of won me over that night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. It is still so funny to 
funny to me that like your biggest fear is that someone's gonna talk like Slim Blaney. I reckon I'll help me some of the bacon. About once a week it pops into my head how much I hate that Slim Blade voice. It was funny also because he does have just like a kind of awesome voice, this guy. This guy that I am talking about that I will say no more about for now, but he definitely does not have a weird voice at all. Damn your man. How very. Let's see. I think this hasn't been out long enough for me to have any fun facts about it or anything. Mm. It's fun fact that this is like our third Mackenzie Davis movie we've done. Really oh, funny. wow. Wait. Well, she's in Tully and Izzy. Yeah, Tully, I forgot. Pretty prominently featured. <laughs> <laughs> Title character in both of them. And there's one more we could do that's on my list, which is Terminator Dark Fate, because that's like a bunch of women, I've including Sarah Connor. And if we want to talk about Lady Arms, it's just a lot of good Lady Arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, you like a good a Lady, lady Arms. Parade. Yeah, so anyway, call us Mackenzie. <laughs> oh, I do want to say one other thing about this movie, which is even though it does have a happy ending, I feel like it's still not a pro-Christmas movie, mm. per se. I don't think anyone at the end is like, Christmas really is a time for miracles. It's not like a lesson learned that's Christmas specific? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah I think it, I get the impression that and maybe I'm just reading my own personal feelings into it, but it, more about the inevitability of Christmas and how like you have to see your family at Christmas, so you might as well figure out a way to, to enjoy it and get along. And that's my personal take on it. Yeah. I know people have really strong feelings about what makes something a Christmas movie or not. I mean, I feel like if it's a Christmas, it's a Christmas movie, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, Go is a Christmas movie. But some people have more strict qualifications for that. And one is that it couldn't take place at another time of year, mm. which I feel like eliminates pretty much everything. Mm. But... I would say by that standard, this isn't really a Christmas movie because this is about getting together with your family. It could happen in the summer. Like, I'm going to visit my parents for a week. You want to come with and pretend to be my friend, you know. Yeah. Um, and, like, the campaign thing, too, can happen at any time. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. it obviously wasn't for, like, that yeah. November. <laughs> right. It's very early. It's so far away. <laughs> the election. Yeah. <laughs> Where we were. It's about the mayor of a town, you know. Yeah. Like, really? Do we have to start 11 months ahead of time funding? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I like Christmas now, but I hated Christmas <gasps> time when I was growing up. My mom was sick and she would have me go to the mall to buy all of her Christmas presents. And she's like, buy your present. That's from me. I would go to the mall on Christmas Eve and be doing all of my mom shopping. We just had like a couple of Christmases where I was just alone with my mom. And we would just watch movies and sleep. It's funny that it's called Happiest Season because I feel like there's so many expectations around that time of year. It seems like getting engaged during Christmas is like a big thing. It's supposed to be this magical time, but I had like one Christmas where I was doing my mom shopping again. <laughs> I was in Bellevue Square and I couldn't find my car in the parking garage. Oh, no. I started panicking and I called my mom and I'm like, I can't find the car. I had to get a security guard to drive me around until <laughs> so I found oh, my car. And I was just like, I hate Christmas. This Good. sucks. But now that I have kids in my life, it's really fun for me. Just growing up and up till my 30s, really, I, I hated Christmas. Yeah. I still really appreciate Hallmark movies. I feel like they have like a time and a place. Like, a, it's always like some lady who's has 
bad dating experiences and then she goes to her hometown and meets <laughs> a guy. like there's this whole formula and then there's a tree lighting ceremony where they come together and I could just watch this those kinds of stories like pretty mindlessly sometimes I appreciate the formula <laughs> yeah I do not like those movies I'm more of a yeah like a backdoor Christmas movie person generally but yeah I totally agree with you about the pressure of the season like my mom always put so much pressure on it growing up that uh, I also hated it and didn't really find anything to enjoy about it until I had kids and knew that I kind of had to have Christmas. I was like very happy when I was old enough to say, I'm not coming home for Christmas. Fuck it. I'm not doing it. Like I'm going to just go to the Chinese restaurant, go to karaoke and completely ignore it. Some of the most fun Christmases I had were doing those things. But it's fine. I mean, there's not, like, any trauma now with having to celebrate it for my kids, but there definitely was a lot of trauma growing up. My mom was always, like, in the worst mood all season long. She was always, like, so stressed out about the decorations, and there was definitely an element of, like, the keeping up with the Joneses, because everyone in the neighborhood would go all out, and so she would stress herself out about that, and then she'd always be like, I'm trying to give you guys a good Christmas! (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my god it's uh. right. thanks mom <laughs> i love christmas and i've always loved christmas honestly i'm like will ferrell and now but like oh my god, I like that <laughs> probably like a rare fond memory for me is christmas is when i was a kid and it can be an upside growing up in a divorced family is you have two christmases christmas eve we were at my house my mom's house and did christmas morning there and then at around noon or early afternoon we'd go over to my dad's house and have a second Christmas and maybe the only positive thing I'll ever say about my former stepmother is she was an awesome cook so (laughs) (laughs) Christmas has always been like a good memory for me and I love it like as an adult even before I had kids and now that I have I mean always been very in the pocket of big Christmas (laughs) I feel like that's the more like normal and accepted attitude towards it. So. <laughs> That's why it's big Christmas, yeah. baby. <laughs> I definitely don't begrudge anyone enjoying it. It's just not for me. Yeah. I really don't like Christmas music either. And I hate that like <laughs> it starts right after Halloween and how there's like a whole yeah. radio station that's all Christmas music. There's two. Two? Yeah. Oh. Well, one doesn't start one didn't start till after Thanksgiving, I think. But yeah, there's two. I always think I like Christmas music. There's like three songs that I like. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I do feel like the happiest season title is a little bit ironic, or is supposed to be a little bit. I guess, yeah. It's really the most stressful season right. for pretty much everybody in the movie. <laughs> Greetings and salutations. Well, shout out Washington. Yeah, <laughs> lots of friends in Washington. I mean, definitely our number one market is Washington. Most of the people who listen to our podcast are from Washington. It's probably in all <laughs> our friends and family. Thank you to all of you because it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you make me feel good every time I look at our stats. Aw. Thank you, Washington. Yeah. I feel like there's too many people to mention. Right, no. I don't want to do like an overly long Oscar speech trying to remember (laughs) everybody. But yeah, thank you, Washington. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays. We love you. What is Christmas? Christmas is for caring. What is Christmas? Christmas is for sharing. It's Christmas, can't you guess? Christmas is for ah, penis. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Ball, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid and Puke Seattle, or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.